0: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam,
2: looking for Anderson, he's got it! They're not going to catch him, he's going to go the distance, touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson, 92 yards! Anderson deflected, and picked up Anderson, he'll take it in, six, and a touchdown
3: bell! Into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown.
2: Big return for Crowder, 85
0: yards. Passed road, there was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott, it was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit, him. hit him immediately when he got
2: the handoff, you know it's the <laughs> q Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you.
4: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. It's time for another edition of the Jets 2020 Offseason Roundtable. And next up on the roundtable is a good buddy of mine. He's a marketing and social media guru, a huge Jets fan. And above all of that, he's very much... A dog person so i'm gonna let him talk about that later because he does a lot with animals and i think that's awesome in addition to the fact that he's a jets fan i will say the animals thing much more important than jets fandom because i think the animals will make you feel better and the jets will often make you feel worse my buddy chris walker chris what's going on man
3: Hey, Scotty. How's it going? Uh, Yeah, that's absolutely right. You got to love that consistency from the pets. Uh, They will love you no matter what. You will love them no matter what. And uh, that's the similarity with the jet.
4: Yeah, the difference is your pets love you back
3: That's it, that (laughs) is the point
4: (laughs) The Jets do not love us back, Chris So let's talk about how they find ways to disappoint us year after year But let's also look towards the future And see if we can come up with some ways to improve this team for 2020 We'll start with Adam Gase It was his first year as head coach in 2019 for the Jets What do you think of the job he did?
3: Um, very underwhelmed, um, you know, once you get into the the play calling was probably where, where I struggled the most, um, you know, after those first drives, that was a consistent pattern. And I think, you know, look, we hired him to develop Sam, and I don't think hand on heart I can say that I feel I feel better about where Sam is, you know, in, in the last four games this year compared to where I felt in the, the last four games in the season before. You know, we didn't see that jump that we would have hoped for. Um, and I actually, you know, not I don't want this to sound as a cop, out. I don't put a lot of that on Sam. I just don't think he was in a in a situation to win. Um, you know, I, I don't think we had the playmakers. Um, I don't think we had the line, but I just think there was just so many bad play calls, you know, penalties were being followed up with with runs that were being stuffed. And, you know, you were putting the guy into a lot of third and longs and, and that's that's on the coach. So um, pretty underwhelmed. Um, you know, I think um, you got to give him some credit for for rebounding against the bad teams, but I I think there was a moment there where the Johnsons should have leaned in. You know, when when the conversations about billboards and planes and all those things started to happen at one and seven, uh, I I I could have I could have, and I think if if I'd have been calling the shots, I I probably would have started to pull the plug rather than double down on it.
4: What do you think of the job he did with Sam Darnold, and what do you think of Darnold's progress in year number two? Did he go as far as you expected him to go in year number two? Do you think that there's still a lot of progress that he can make in year number three? What are your thoughts overall?
3: Um, I don't think he, he took the, the leap that we would have hoped he would have taken. Um, I, I still see the massive potential. You know, um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to see him three times live for, for USC, and the talent was always was always there, but I, I think he's a guy that ultimately you want a coach that's going to – you want a coach that's going to play into that gunslinger mentality and that that point guard. That's, that's always the word that comes back to me with Sam. He feels like a point guard, feels like a guy that can just make plays. And I think the part that disappointed me the most was it felt like, you know, Adam was starting to move him more into that um, game manager kind of role, which I, I just don't think he is. You know, I I think we've got a guy that is on his way to being a top ten quarterback. You know, sitting towards the the higher you know side, the closer to ten. But I think he, you know, the ceiling can be much higher than that. But it's all going to be about a coach that installs a system that that allows that to come out of him, and you know, puts the the pieces around him. And um, I, I just don't I don't think we've got the coach to do that. I I hope we've got the the guy in in the big seat in in Papa Joe, but you know, it, it's it's going to be a tough sled if if we don't start to get the play calling right. What do you think they need
4: to do in terms of pieces? And do you have confidence that Bam Bam Douglas can get it done?
3: Yeah, look, I I think the big thing that a lot of us forget, right? You know, that goes down to any any side of sports is it's about having the best players. And you know, I I think a lot of times over the last five years, the Mike Mcagnin you know era. There wasn't a lot of times where you felt like we had better players on the field, right? If you were to take it man for man, and and particularly not in in the guys that are impacting every play, which is is the people in the trenches. Um, so I I think that you know is is who Joe Douglas seems to be. That's where he seems to look. You know I think that's what has to be done. You know we we've got a lot on that defensive line. We've we've invested heavily in it. Um, you know and we saw some nice flashes, you know from Kyle Phillips and and from you know, Foley and, and, you know, other guys there, even Nathan Shepard coming on. So I, I think the focus has to be that O-line. Um, I think you've got to get better, you know, and they, I, I, I like the idea of, I think you've, you know, you've got to replace Winters. Um, and not single in him, I, but, you know, gets injured a lot. I think he struggled the last couple of years. I think we've definitely been weaker on the right side of the line. You know, I think you have to find a long-term solution for Calvin with where you're you're picking and you know the hope is is that you know the guy that you potentially get at the guard is is a long-term center that can that can step in there you know i i think you definitely need three pieces and you're hoping that the other two pieces hold up um i don't know if you can get that in in one draft and as as we know there's a real um lack of good offensive linemen in the league particularly the ones that are are hitting free agency um so i i think it's going to be tough but you know hopefully we can get at least two in there um, particularly with those first five picks, um, you know, there's 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 some really good options there.
4: Any particular players you like in free agency?
3: In free agency, um, I like a lot of the corner. I think there's some good cornerbacks coming on the guy, the guys who bet on themselves. Um, you know, I, I see some some opportunity there. Um, you know, I, you hear the names. You know, we we obviously need an, an edge rusher. Um, I I just you know to be totally honest with you, Scotty, I'm not digging that deep into free agency because I, I think people have to remember that free agency is very much a fluid situation. You know, these guys get their choice of, you know, 32 teams. And I just don't think we're that appealing, you know I mean? With the way we've been playing, where we're kind of sitting and, and with our our cap space available, um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be in that upper echelon of a free agency shopping. you know, I, I think Joe Douglas is going to go out there. He's going to get, do what, similar to what the Eagles did, you know, pick up good, solid pieces in the trenches that start to build out that 53, guys that can be competitive, that can play some snaps, that won't let you down. I think that's probably where he's going to go on this. And then, you know, he's going to look to really add the talent in the in the draft. Next year to me just feels like it's it's a rebuilding year. I know we say that every year, but it just feels like, you know, he, he's got that six-year contract. Um, you know, he's going to take his time to get it right. He's not going to rush it. And I think that means he's probably going to stay out of the the top tier free agency.
4: What do you think of the power dynamic? Do you think that it's going to be Joe Douglas more or less calling the shots? Or are you worried at all that Gates is going to have his hand in things a little too much?
3: I think Gase is going to have his hand in it. I, I think you know it's one of, from what I know and, and from conversations I've had, it's one of the misconceptions, right, around around the league. You know, the better guys that are in those big seats work with their coaches. You know, they understand what their coaches are trying to do. They identify the talent. You know, we were in a in a particularly unique situation with McCagney and Bowles, where they were they were clearly not on the same page. You know, what I mean Hackenberg picked, You know. Right? I don't think Todd Bowles wanted that pick, right? You know, and, and you go on and on where there was guys that just did not fit the system, right? And then there was other guys, you know, that he, he clearly got for Todd and the coaching staff or whatever. But I, I don't think those two are in lockstep. I think you're going to see Joe Douglas with where he's come from. You know, the coaches have all been very involved with, with what they've done and what they're trying to do. And, you know, him and his people have kind of, made recommendations on guys that can fit and, and have a team-building philosophy, which is, I think that's a big thing we've been missing for a long time. I think I think Joe Douglas has the right team-building philosophy. And I, I think to an extent Adam Gase does. You know what I mean? I, I, I know we get down on Gase because of, of what we see in-game and in that coaching, right? But, you know, Gase has sold a lot of people you know, a lot of goods from, from his ideas and his innovative mindset. I, I think he's a guy that theoretically knows what to do. You know, my, my issue with him is, is the end game side of it is, is the play call where he goes. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a totally, I don't think it's a bad thing for him to have impact in, in, in the players that they're going after. Um, you know, and I, I kind of think I think we'll really improve that, you know, it's, it's going to be a case. Can we actually develop those players, you know, on the field you know, in training camp, do that kind of stuff and, and can these guys ultimately become what they're they're meant to be.
4: Are you worried about ownership?
3: Yeah, look, you know, you can slice it whatever way you look. Uh, we've got one of the worst ownerships in the NFL. You can you can't debate that, right? You know, they've I think the Johnsons want the win. I don't think they understand enough how to win, but they make fundamental mistakes across the board. Par structure, number one, right? We've always had that issue. Two, they overstep, you know, we know how much Woody leaned in to get certain players, you know, Chris Johnson doing the same thing with Le'Veon Bell, you know, that, that definitely was a, was a splash sign. There's always this motivation to sell tickets. There's the, the lack of ability to, to listen to the fans, you know, they, they misprice tickets, you know, there's just, they don't offer what, what people are, you know, what people are looking for in a modern NFL experience. Um, so you know they they feel across the board. I do. I think their hearts in the right place. Absolutely. Do they love the Jets? Do they want it to work? But sometimes you have to step back. You know when you when you truly love something and let it kind of let it kind of be on its own and manifest and and understand that it's a two way street. And and that's just not there with the Johnsons. You know I think what what Chris has done is he's tried to take the safe ride. He's gone. He's overpaid for a general manager. He's gone to who who the number one guy in the book was with a blank check and, and, a, and a tenure that's, you know, the, the longest in the league now um, to get him. And with Adam Gase, he's he's tried to play the secure route of, you know, here's a guy that will will listen to me and, and you know, is has coaching experience. But, you know, you saw the flaw in that coaching search, you know, the, all the signs point that they wanted Matt Rule, but they felt the need to interject in, in the coaching staff, which is – you know, that that's another big flaw that the better teams don't do. Like, look at who Matt is going to hire in Carolina. He's hiring two guys, you know, a, a defensive coordinator in Snow who has three years, I think, of NFL experience at Detroit. And, you know, he's going to get a, a quarterback coach from somewhere that's never, never called plays. You know, so there's, you know... Tepper, who's seen as a forward-thinking GM, a, a guy that wants to, or forward-thinking owner who wants to build a, a team and a culture, is stepping back. He's handing the bag, uh, the Matt roll, and saying, you know, go and build the culture, do what you need to do. That's fundamentally how you build a good good organization, how you build a good culture. All good cultures come bottom up, Scotty. Um, you know, and and that's something that unfortunately the Johnsons don't get.
4: Do you think it's a culture that is going to be able to keep the best internal free agents that this team has? There are a couple of other ones and you can get to whichever ones that I don't mention, but obviously the big three are Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, and Brian Poole. Do you think they stay put and would you want to bring them back?
3: Um, I, I would I would bring all three back if you could. I I don't think we have the money for what these guys will look for. You know, I, I think, you know, there's a there's a trip that and a pattern that happens with bad teams, right? With, with bad teams, when they have good players, those good players get elevated above where they should actually be. Right. I love Robbie Anderson. You know, Robbie is a great wide receiver too. He's a pretty okay one B option, right? But he's not a one a guy, but he's been our one a guy for the last three years. So, you know, he wants that, that money and he deserves that money. Um, and somebody will give him that money because somebody will overpay. They always do in free agency, you know, same with Jordan Jenkins. Um, the one that I would be determined to keep would be Paul. Um I think he's the one we will be able to keep because I think, you know, Greg Williams is just such a great personality. Those guys played for him. And, and I think Greg, you know, will get a lot of credit for poll And I think there's a lot of trust there and, you know, he gave poll a lot of praise throughout the year. So I think that's the one that, that probably gets done the easiest. I, I, I can see the other two going because I, I just think, you know, if if you're really I, – I think if Joe Douglas is what we think he is and that he has a team-building philosophy, I think, you know, one of those fundamental beliefs he'll have is not to overpay for, for guys um, and elevate them into roles that they're not meant to be. You know, I, I think he'll have a number for Robbie Anderson that'll be a, a wide receiver too. Um, I think you'll have a, a number for, for Jordan Jenkins that'll be more as the, you know, the run stuffing, um, you know, set the edge guy um, as opposed to to a pass rusher, even though he was our, you know, sack leader. And I, you know, and, and I think that that's where, you know, you're going to have the discrepancy between what we value him at and what uh, the, the agents value him at.
4: Chris, you're a guy that is very forward-thinking. You can always see things coming from a mile away. So look in your crystal ball for me. How does this offseason play out for the Jets? What do they end up doing? How does their 2020 season go? And where are we when you and I have this conversation a year from today?
3: Um, I think we're in a, in a more difficult situation, right? I think, I think history repeats itself. Uh, this off-season to me just feels so like the off-season in 2013. Um, everything was chaotic as the season was ending. Everything was all over the place. And somehow we all convinced ourselves we were much better than we were when we we sneaked to an 8-8 eight eight record. Um, and we all know how 2014 went where we were in for the number one pick until week 16, I think. Um, And it it just feels the same. The message is coming out of Forum Park, this kind of adulation that we we finished six and two, how how they try to control that media message. I think that's the issue, right? I think you see what Chris Ballard's doing with the Colts kind of, you know, same record, you know, losing their quarterback in in preseason game three, the retirement, and they're coming out calling it abomination, which is, is the, the mindset that you have to have. I think we have to be realists, right? We're, we're sort of uh, – it, it blows my mind with some Jets fans. We sort of celebrated two things uh, this, this week, right? Sort of the downfall of Tom Brady, yet we got shellacked twice by the Patriots' defense, right? You know, last time I checked, Tom's not playing on the defense, so we're still going to have the same problems we had this year. Um, you know, and then we're celebrating Tua coming out, saying Miami are going to pick him that uh, you know that means an offensive tackle might play to play you know fold offs in the draft and and i think look while there is a little bit of excitement about that i think you know miami having their quarterback and having all that, that draft capital and and having a, a great young coach is a little bit scarier to me you know so i i think you know we could see ourselves as at, at, at the doormat of the division again uh we got to go to the nFC west uh we got to go to kansas city there's there's tough games you know i, I know things change but if you took our games sort of uh, against the 2019 teams, I, I don't, what do you see us winning three, four games maybe? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in the off season. And and I think, you know, the smart play, if I was Joe Douglas with a long-term contract is I'd be trying to find talent and I'd be trying to bleed them in and, and I would take next season for what it is. It's going to be a, it's going to be a tough season. Um, so, you know, the hope is, is we can, we can build the offensive line. Um, you know, I think it's a very deep receiver class. Hopefully we can find a true number one receiver, um, you know, get those weapons and start to build things for Sam, you know, but you, you've got an incredible talent at home. You know, I, I hope, you know, Chris Johnson and Joe Douglas and Adam Gase and uh, the challenge flag guy, um, Pat and Oswalt <laughs> are, are sitting there watching uh, Le'Veon Bell tip all summer you know, and, and figuring out how to, how do we use Le'Veon Bell? Cause we got him, we're paying him. Um, you know, get that guy involved um, cause that's going to be better than any, you know, free agent or, or player you draft. Um, and, and that's it for me, Scotty, you know, football's about, uh, you know, the, the best guy usually wins. Right. And um, I think what we have to do is find ways to get, you know, the ball into the hands of our best guys, get, get more, more of Sam, more of on Bell. And, uh, you know, hope for the best in 2020.
4: You'd think Gase and company would have watched Le'Veon Bell tape before they signed him and then after they signed him. But, hey, I guess better late than never. So, yeah, if they're going to spend some of the offseason watching that tape, maybe they'll learn a thing or two. Chris Walker. President of Retaliate First Marketing, one of the smartest social media marketing and communications guys that I know. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Love chatting with you. It's a good thing that we were able to do it on the podcast this time instead of over the phone when the only people that could hear it was you, me, and probably my neighbors because I tend to talk very loudly when I'm on the phone. For those that want to give you a follow on social media or maybe even get your services for social media or communications and marketing projects, how can they get a hold of you?
3: Uh, you'll find me on Twitter. You'll find me being uh, a little bit of a neutral. Um, you know, I, I love all the Jazz Peaks. I, I love it. I love it when people get angry. I love it when people get happy. I love it when people are pro-tank and anti-tank and all of this. And, and um, you know, I, I think we're all a passionate bunch. And uh, I, I think we got the best community. If, it, if they handed out the Super Bowl for, for uh, NFL Twitter, we'd win it every year. Um, you know, so, so I like to be part of that. So you get me at sort of, we retaliate first, um, you know, and always, always good for a chat, you know, particularly if, uh, anybody has some, uh, anti Adam Gase, uh, thoughts.
1: At Luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply.
4: Play like a jet.
0: Play like a jet.
4: Next up on the round table, voice that should be very familiar to you if you're a regular listener of this podcast, because he provides the weather reports every week on the pregame report. It was a great feature that we had going, and he's been a long time Jets fan, so it's nice to know that there's somebody who has seen really bad weather and has seen really bad Jets teams and somehow has a smile on his face more often than not. I don't know how he does it. The Jets and these hurricanes and terrible weather conditions, it's enough to drive a person crazy. But I guess that's a big part of why he is so good at what he does and why he is such a passionate, knowledgeable Jets fan. Of course, I'm talking about my buddy Ed Valley, the CEO of Empire Weather. Ed, thanks for coming on the roundtable buddy what's going on Scott thanks for having me so what's sadder to watch the Jets most years or a hurricane in the Midwest
2: (laughs) so that's a good question so it depends do you want a natural disaster you know that's basically what the Jets have been lately unfortunately (laughs) but it depends on the it depends on the time of the year I can always I can you know I'm living in Florida now so hurricanes are a little bit more close to home than they were living up in the northeast in, in past years but I don't know. Being in Florida, it's it's sometimes it's nice. I don't have to watch the Jets on TV every week, but I'm always watching them. Though that's the problem.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of hurricanes, what do you think of Hurricane Gase and his first year as head coach of the Jets? Uh,
2: you know, I I think here. I, so I have mixed opinions. I think when you when you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, you look at hurricanes. We're going to keep the we're going to keep the analogy going. Um, you know, category one is it's still not good, but it's not the worst category five. That's your, that's your really bad storm and, and your really big issues. Right. And you know, at first when I was kind of going through it all, I I thought it was a category five. You know, I, I really thought it was a problem and and I still think it is, but I, I want to get at least through the off season and into next year. And if we have problems next year, it'll quickly ramp up. But generally, like a lot of others, I, I think it's it's been a tough go of it. I think the injuries, while they were a problem, I think, unfortunately, that's kind of going to be a, a scapegoat moving forward, as we've seen. So mixed reviews, we'll call it a cat two for now, but uh, that upside to potentially much worse very quickly uh, is pretty close by.
4: How much of an improvement do you expect to see from Sam Darnold in 2020? And what would you say he accomplished in terms of the jump from 2018 to 2019? Was it as much as you would have expected? Were you expecting more? Tell me about that and what you think he needs to do to make the jump even more so in 2020.
2: So I, I think initially 2018 for me, you know, having watched the Mark Sanchez of the world, the Geno Smiths of the world, I had a lot of optimism. I was, for what we had around them, weapon wise, I was cautiously optimistic. And when they brought Gase in, um, it was kind of a mixed emotion for me personally. I think his past track record in, in Miami was not the best. And everybody said he was a quarterback whisperer. And, and again, me being just a fan, I'm not an expert, but I at least held out a little bit of hope. And then we get into this season and, you really, uh, of course, we saw the, the online issues show up right away. And for me, when I'm trying to evaluate a quarterback, it, it's very difficult for me to do so when he's running for his life the whole time. So I, I think the grade overall this year was, was kind of graded on a little scale. But at the same time, if he's a, your third pick in the 2018 draft, at some point here you have to expect him to rise above the other inefficiencies around the league or around the team and bring, elevate them up versus the opposite. So in that respect, I think it was kind of a disappointment this year. I know we dealt with all the the crazy injuries and and the mono and all that stuff, but I would have liked to see just a little bit more, especially in the games like at New England, for example. You know, I would have liked to see him play better uh, in some of those bigger moments. But again, when you look at the stat line, it doesn't kind of jump out to me. But at the same time, I'm not hitting the panic button. At least yet, you know, so I I think we have room to improve significantly. But from what I saw, I think there's still some room for optimism if you're moving forward, uh, pending kind of how Coach Gase decides to move forward with personnel and and play calling, especially.
4: Are you confident that Gase can help bring Darnold to the next level?
2: In my opinion, no. I mean, I I think it's going to be it's tough for me to (laughs) see what Ryan Tannehill did this past season. And what Kenyon Drake did this past season, Devonte Parker, uh, for me to just sit here and, and with a straight face say, yes, he can bring him to the next level. You know, so from that ex- extent, kind of looking at his uh, coach Gase's past performance, I think that is something to keep in mind. Um, you know, overall though, I, I do think moving forward here, he's he's really going to need to shake up the play calling um, to get this to really. Work. I mean, we had one of the most dynamic running backs in the league, and obviously we saw how that worked out. So, in my opinion, I, I think we need to see some changes moving forward to to really get this to where we want it to be. And, um, you know, like, we, like we've talked about in the past, we have a new GM. We have other pieces around the team that are building blocks, but there's a lot of things to, to go through to get from point A to point B. So, we're definitely nowhere near where we need to be.
4: What about Joe Douglas? What do you think of him? Are you optimistic that he's going to be able to make the moves in the offseason that he needs to make to help turn this roster around?
2: So I, I like the fact, the thing that stood out to me right off the bat was the fact that he you know, has a lot of experience with O-line building. And, and he takes pride in his O-line. And he, he did a really good job you know, with that process in Philadelphia. And, and that's where I want to see him start. If we can, and really, we haven't really seen him be able to really dig his heels in and, and go through a draft and go through a free agency process. And that until I see that, I think we got to keep every avenue open. I think, again, from everybody around the league and from everybody that I've, I've heard on TOJ on this lovely podcast, you know, everybody seems to think he has all the makings to do what needs to be done. Uh, so it's just a matter of him executing. So I, I do, I'm consciously optimistic that he's going to be able to do it. And to put it in perspective, I am much happier with uh, Joe Douglas than I am with with Coach Gase. So I, I do think we have a good captain of the ship. We just need to execute the plan and hope the injury bug can stay away. What do you think he
4: needs to do specifically in free agency to help get that roster to where it needs to be and to justify the high opinions that a lot of people have of him? Let's start internally. Which free agents would you be looking to keep?
2: I think the obvious one is is going to be Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, I've heard... So So for me, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner. I, I obviously much smaller than the New York Jets, but it's I, I understand the logistical decision-making that needs to be made within an organization. Um, So if we're, if we're talking about Robbie Anderson getting a 15, $16 million offer from somewhere else, I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know if we would pursue that, but generally speaking, I think looking at the, especially the vertical threats and free agency, I, I think it's going to be hard to find anybody to replace Robbie Anderson. And when you're looking at a team that's already deficient in a lot of areas on offense, you got to do what you got to do to keep your best players. And so that's, that's number one for sure. Uh, Kelvin Beecham, um, he's solid. You know, he's, he's, in my opinion, the O-line can't get much worse. Uh, so I, I think he's somebody to look into as well. Um, and other than that, on the offensive line, I really don't have much. Um, the cornerback group, don't have much. Uh, Brian Poole, is he, I believe he's a free agent. Is he a free agent this year? Yes, sir. Um, if he is, he would be somebody. Yep, I would be looking to get him back, too. He did a fantastic job, um, and maybe some of that is Greg Williams-related, but definitely uh, was happy with his play this year. So those are the, the big three that I'm I'm definitely looking at right off the bat. What about external
4: free agents? Any particular positions or players that you'd be looking at?
2: Yeah, so the, the first guy I'm, I'm kind of looking at is, is on the O-line. You know, I think we really need to do what we can in free agency to kind of bolster that line and, and maybe add some veteran leadership. So Jack Conklin, definitely the first one on my list from the Titans. Um, and the problem is, is we have a lot of deficiencies in a lot of spots. And that is where it gets kind of tricky because obviously you need to take into, a cap, uh, into account cap space. Uh, but externally, I'm, I'm looking at, the secondary. You know, I'm looking at someone like Ronald Darby with the, with the Eagles, uh, somebody who Douglas is very familiar with. You know, and those are the top two that I'm I'm really really looking at. Um, and then obviously with respect to edge rusher, we saw Vic Beasley will not be re-signing with the Falcons, so he's somebody that personally I would at least give a look to. Um, I'm not sure as to the reasoning why he is not re-signing in Atlanta, uh, but Certainly, given the the track record the Jets have off the edge, uh, he's somebody I would be looking into as well. Um, And even somebody um, like uh, Ngakwe uh, over there in uh, Jacksonville, he's another one I'm looking at. Uh, So it's really a matter of who can shake free, and that kind of obviously impacts uh, the answers. But those are some of the ones I'm really looking at, and then always looking for wide receiver depth. So uh Bashad Perryman out of the uh out of Tampa Bay There's somebody I'm looking at as well. Uh so really there's a lot of holes. <laughs> and that's the main that's the main problem here. So really um you know I'm looking at edge, I'm looking at quarterback and obviously the O line as well. What
4: about the draft? I'm not expecting you to have specific answers for rounds or actual picks but Are there players or are there positions that you'd be looking to target in the draft with the picks that the Jets have in rounds one through four, most especially? Again, just general names Mm -hmm. if you have any, or any just general positions that you'd like to attack.
2: Yeah, so obviously Omar is number one, for sure. Um, But at the same time, we're, we're uniquely positioned, I think, at 11 to... Potentially have, you know, a couple weeks ago, looking at some of the uh, some of the mocks coming out, it looked like the O-line was going to be stacked early and taken early. You know, there's a lot of teams ahead of the Jets who need O-line help. um, But it seems like the O-line talent is there this year. So, you know, Wills is somebody I'm looking at. Of course, Andrew Thomas, um, Becton. So any O-line help. Personally, I'm a bigger guy. I like my own linemen. (laughs) And, you know, if we can manage to get something in the first round there, that would be great to protect Sam Donald for the next 15 years. Uh, But if that doesn't work out, I would definitely be okay with either uh, C.D. Lamb or or Judy um, as a dynamic playmaker, too. You know, So we're we're really, like we just discussed, we're really deficient in a lot of spots. But, you know, if, if any of the players I just mentioned were available in round one, and that's absolutely something you know I would uh, would be looking to do. And, and beyond that, the good thing about online, you can you can definitely find talent beyond round one. And you know, so that's something, of course, I would be looking to do as well. And again, it all relates back to free agency. If we can manage to, you know, sign an edge or two, maybe that's not something we need to look at immediately in the draft. But I think that's something to consider even in round one as well. So there's a lot of things we need, but definitely O-line and a dynamic playmaker, whether it's, you know, Judy or, uh, or, or Lamb or somebody else, but definitely we're going to be needing something on offense. I am all aboard the offensive train here in, in at least the first two rounds. And, And if we need to go beyond that, that's fine too. You know, I, I think we need some offense and, we need people around our best player, and that on offense, and that player is Sam Darnold, and it starts there. Then there.
4: You heard Ed offense, offense, offense. Let's see if Joe Douglas can deliver on that message. Ed Valley, CEO of Empire Weather. Thanks so much for coming on to talk about your thoughts on the 2019 season and the 2020 off season with me. Really appreciate it. For those that don't know where to find you and don't know about your great weather service,
2: why don't you let them know all about it? Yeah, so I, I started a weather company uh, three years ago, Empire Weather. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter, EmpireWX, and follow me on Twitter, Ed Valley WX. And um, in the future, I plan on adding a little Jets Weather talking there, too, so feel free to check that out.
4: Make sure you're following Ed on Twitter and Chris on Twitter as well. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes for us if you haven't done so already and also for Joe Caparoso's Turn on the Jets podcast. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it's a big help to us. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And it does a lot to help us continue to bring you the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts. And for that, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets digital and turnonthejets.com